Welcome to the East Bay's best podcast, The Capstone Conversation. This is a show that interviews political, government, and community leaders in Alameda, Contra Costa, and Solano counties. We look at what is going on in your city, how are we developing things economically, and where are we going from here? I'm your host, Jared Ash. This is Jared Ash with the Capstone Conversation. Today, we're going to look at something new as we're in mid-January when this is airing of 2024. We're going to look at how you create goals and where people fail at goals. And I think that's important, whether you're in government, nonprofits, education space, or in the business. How do you look at goals and how do you look at your whole life goals, not just professional goals, but personal family goals? And how do you tie it all together? And today I'm joined by a good friend of ours, Ariana Hillis. Ariana, please say hello and introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Ariana. I have over 20 plus years of experience working either as an executive role function or as a founder in human resources, business development business operation, consulting, and my most recent venture in a company called Tashana's Daughter, where I actually help empowerment coaching with women that are coming back to work after having a child. So that could be four years later, it could be right after maternity leave. And actually, a lot of companies will contact me when they have someone new coming back and they pay for the service actually as part of the well-being initiative for that employee. And if you or anyone has been close to a woman who has gone back to work after having a child, it is challenging across all aspects of your life. And personally, I benefited from life coaching, empowerment coaching, of my own executive coaching. And when you have someone in your corner, someone to help you reflect, maybe someone that's outside of your normal circle, you almost have even a safer space to bring things up and problem solve together. And so that's what I'm really passionate about helping women do right now. That's... So important. We've dealt with that at home. My my audience knows I have three young kids and have a wife that works and we've gone through through that too. I want to, so good to learn about you. Talk about goal setting. What is it and why do people fail astronomically at setting New Year's resolutions and then don't achieve them? Right. Well, I think, again, it's timely depending on when you're watching this back. Most people have abandoned their New Year's resolution goals by the second week of February. I know several people just in my own life that have decided to no longer set New Year's resolutions because they know themselves and they say, you know what, I'm not even going to make it work. So why am I even going to attempt? Which is really sad because I think it's really kind of poetic when the whole world, it, it's a new fresh year, new me, a new identity. What's the best version of myself that I want to be? And then to just miss out on that opportunity of throwing the towel before you even give yourself a chance is just really sad. So I love New Year's because I love new beginnings. And I think the biggest thing about goal setting and the mistakes that people make is they set the bar too high. And it's about the incremental steps and changes that you can make in your life, if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to, I've been a couch potato, but now I'm going to compete in the Olympics in four years. Like, okay, let's uh, readjust there. So they need to be actionable. They need to be measurable and achievable. 
And I think having someone that can hold you accountable, like a mastermind group or an accountability partner is key to that. And there's a lot of different reasons why it's helpful to have that sounding board and that what I like to call a personal board of directors at your fingertips. So let's, I want to come back to some of the terms you said there, but why do people set goals? Well, I think, well, Maslow's great for this, actually, because Maslow talks about what one can be, one must be, that there's this need for self-actualization, and that if you're not actually showing up as the best version of yourself, there's going to be a gap of what you're doing and what you're capable of doing, and that's going to create some internal suffering. That, that was the philosophy. And that in any given moment, we're given an opportunity to kind of step into growth or step backwards into safety. And it's uncomfortable to grow. And that's why people kind of say, we'll use the same couch potato. But yeah, it's not comfortable, right? To get up at 5 a.m. to go hit the Peloton or whatever it is that you're going to do to work towards maybe a physical fitness goal or health goal that you have for yourself. Um, But if you think back at the end of a day that you've had, maybe recently, where you're like, wow, I really like nailed it today. Today was a great day. If you think back to the micro moments that made up that day, it's probably because you were showing up as the best version of yourself and you were deliberate in your actions and in your behaviors. And so you feel accomplished at the end of the day. And that's really how you lead a happy and fulfilling life. Great. Why do mm, people who are successful at setting goals and achieving them, what is the difference between them and those that have failed? I think you said more than 90% fail within six weeks. What's the difference of those that succeed? Well, I think there could be a variety of reasons, right? Life gets lifey. There's things that could be thrown at you that you don't expect. Health conditions, right? The loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, things like that. Putting all those things aside, I think what I have noticed in patterns that I have seen are the people that have support. The people that seek support and seek to always be better are more likely to achieve their goals, no matter how high they are. If they're writing them down, if they're speaking them, if they're committing them to people, they're more likely to achieve them. I have heard that people who write them down, but write down specific goals and then write down a path to them is much more successful. So as the example is, I like to simplify things. I want to lose 10 pounds. Well, how are you going to lose 10 pounds? You're going to change your diet. Well, what specifically are you going to do to your diet? What are the three things that you're going to do that? Okay, you're going to go to the gym. Well, that never works. So if you write down, okay, I'm going to go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but now I'm going to put it in my calendar at what time specifically Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to do And I'm also going to write down, what am I going to do those three days? That leads to more successful goal setting. Yeah, absolutely. So specific, actionable, measurable. They have to be very specific. And 65, you're 65% more likely to meet your goal when you're committing them to someone. And part of that is, is writing them down. Awesome. So you said some words earlier that I want to go back and define. I know there are things that people have heard before, but... Start with a mastermind group. What is a mastermind group and what are some of the benefits of it? Oh gosh, so many benefits. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, I, I think, obviously, if, if you're listening to this, you probably know that a mastermind group is 
a collection of like-minded individuals that have a common goal, which is to become the best version of themselves and to help others do the same. It can sometimes be helpful to be part of a mastermind or have a partner that's in a similar industry or line of work that you're in, so you can share tips and best practices. I've also seen it be extremely helpful to have people from outside of your industry have a fresh look at what you're trying to do in your marketplace and come up with new innovative ideas that maybe you wouldn't have thought of. There's eight main benefits. Um, One is that you're going to increase the chances of you actually achieving your goals by 65% just by having someone to commit them to and to write them down. Um, The other is motivation and consistency. So if you're weekly, right, if the cadence of your group is to meet weekly with your mastermind or your accountability partner, um, you're more likely to seek them, to have them top of mind and to give updates on your tracking towards those goals. So you're more likely to achieve them that way. Another is the social support and well-being, just having the social encouragement and the positivity coming from this group, because that's the intention of the group or the individual is to lift you up and help uh, propel you forward. Uh, That helps with well-being, managing your stress. There's also skill development. So if you're in a mastermind, you're going to be learning from other people's experiences, getting feedback, and there's going to be this mutual encouragement. There's increased commitment and responsibility by talking about this. There's going to be a greater sense of responsibility for actually following through. There's enhanced problem solving. So when you're collaborating, you're going to get different perspectives and insights going to be more effective problem solving. There's a lot of hot seat coaching that happens in masterminds where you'll have a real life problem, either personally or professionally, and you can get insight from others on how maybe they've experienced that in their life and how they got through it. And then there's the positive peer pressure. You really don't want to show up to those, those meetings and not have stayed on track, and it helps you avoid procrastination. And then the last piece is the self-awareness, which is the thirst analogy that I had mentioned, which is if you feel thirsty, you go get yourself a drink. If you have negative self-talk, becoming more aware of that and doing a pattern interrupt for yourself so that you can self-correct once you have that self-awareness. All of these benefits talk to the importance of don't set your goals in a bubble to me. Make your goals about you and personalize them, but rely on others for help. And others need your help to achieve their goals. And that sounds like part of the mastermind, part of the accountability process uh, is relying on a group to achieve your goals together. Let's go into how do you find the right type of people that you can partner with? I think it it depends. It's similar. It could be similar to dating where you, you try a few on the side you realize it's not for you and you move on looking for the one. Yeah, I think there's going to be a culture and that's typically determined by the facilitators. So if you're not really vibing with the facilitators, you probably want to move on and look for others. But I know a lot of people will join a mastermind by word of mouth and then by invitation. So they, they might do a Google search. They might see something on Facebook or LinkedIn about it. Again, also there's very industry-specific masterminds. So I think it also just depends on, are you looking specifically to grow your business and you only want it to have a focus on business? Or is your mastermind more holistic and it's going to blend both the professional and the personal, which I think is, is the best way to go. Great. And 
You also mentioned accountability partner. I know I have an accountability partner. Uh, shout out to my buddy, David. He has helped me get to the next step by uh, constantly being there. And so I'll define what he does for me, but then I'd love to get your take is every two weeks we do a call and, and sometimes our schedules don't work and we have to do it by email, but we try to keep once a month call. And we say, okay, we spend about 10 minutes of a call, each going through what's happening in our lives, work, personal. And then we lay out what are the specific next steps that we want to accomplish. And we say, okay, this week he's training for a marathon right now. He wants to make sure he hits 12 miles as his goal. But he also is a associate law professor and he's got to grade X papers this week. Uh, so he sets those goals and I hold him accountable. Okay, you didn't finish the papers. Why not? What else happened? Well, work his day job got busy. So we break it down. How do we do it? And I hold him accountable. And I know right now I was supposed to rewrite my 2020 option affirmations, excuse me, of what I want the year to look like. And I have a vision board and yeah. I wanted to redo that too, but I got busy. Kids got sick things like that. And here he is saying, okay, you missed the deadline. No problem. When am I going to get it from you? Right. And it's personal and I don't always share everything, but he's like, when am I getting it? And he's going to check in with me every three or four days until I get them to him. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what you see in an accountability partner and go from there. Yeah. Love, love all of that. Yes. And I also feel that an accountability partner or a mastermind group can help you with self-awareness. So just like if you're thirsty, your body knows, oh, I'm thirsty. I need some water. So if you can pinpoint and become aware of your own roadblock that you're setting up for yourself, you can then address those and work through it. So if you find yourself constantly complaining in your head or to people in your family and you have this negative self-talk that's going on, as an example, if you become aware of that, that you're doing it, eventually you're going to be able to notice exactly when you're doing it and course correct. And often bringing in feelings of gratitude and hope, for example, can cure that. And you can actually solve for hope by moving your body. I think it's like, it's about 5,800 steps a day. If you get that in the research shows, you're going to be more likely uh, to be hopeful. So I think that having a accountability partner can help with that self-awareness. And then also just that increased commitment and responsibility that you're not just committing to yourself, but you're committing to somebody else and you don't want to let them down. And when you're doing that in a group, it, it multiplies. So you really don't want to be the one person, right? The social pressure that didn't hit their goals. And so you're more likely to do it. Just for the record, it's 120 and I'm at 7,076 steps for my day, but that doesn't include the 50 minute bike ride I had on the spin trainer this morning. So, so now you're uh, just showing off. Now I'm just showing off. Yeah. I'm not going to drop and do 20 push ups. Okay. I will. But talk about, I mentioned affirmations and vision board. Talk about how that impacts people's goals and why they would do that as part of a mastermind, as part of goal setting? Yeah, I think the affirmations are part of um, your self-identity. And sometimes that needs a shift. So if you've been, again, going back to the example of having negative self-talk, 
right? And if you set an affirmation or, and if your intention, first maybe intention, uh, not do that anymore. Once you have the intention, you can do better and be better. And part of that is creating a new narrative, yourself and commitment. So if you could start seeing yourself in a new light, that's when affirmations can be very powerful. Vision boards are a lot of fun. I have to be honest, I've created one in many years, but I used to do it every year. And to show an example of how powerful they can be, I know someone years ago, they created a vision board and they cut out pictures of cars and clothes and jewelry and trips and a family because they didn't have a family, but they wanted one. And they cut out the pictures, they glued it all on this pretty board and they would keep their vision boards year after year anyway. Long story short, this person digs up some old vision board and the house that she had put on her vision board, she was now living in. I didn't even realize that she had cut out pictures from a magazine of houses for sale. And many years later, she ended up buying that exact same house. So I feel like there's on a subconscious level and a conscious level, the work that plays. And it's also just a fun art project. You can also do a Pinterest board if you want to do it digitally. But I think getting out some scissors and glue stick, like your five, it's fun to do that as well. I Google things and then look up uh, pictures my myself and have my kids cut them for me as part of that arts and crafts project. So let's go back to goal setting. Any tips on what makes somebody successful with goal setting? Well, I think the most successful people that actually achieve their goals are the ones that are constantly looking to be a better version of themselves. It's just, it's part of who they are. And they look every day to become that. So I think the first piece is you're going to need, you potentially need to work on who you believe you are. Are you that person that will achieve these things? Are these things achievable? So putting things on there, first, you have to have the belief within yourself that you could do all the things that you're trying to set goal for. And hand down, every successful person that I've ever known or I've ever looked up to has not done it alone. There's been a coach involved. There's been a mastermind, an accountability partner, a mentor, somebody that they've gone to as a sounding board, talk about their goals, their dreams, their visions, their aspirations, their challenges, and worked that through. That's great. And when we were talking earlier, you talked about you can't just have professional goals. You called it, I think, whole life. Talk about why the whole life aspect of goal setting is important. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I know some people will try and parse out parts of their life like, okay, professionally, things are going great, but at home, not so much or vice versa. And you can't have it both ways. It's going to bleed over and impact the other. You really don't get the opportunity to choose and how you show up for one, that's part of who you are and that's going to play into how you show up for the other. So I think whenever you're doing goals, it's nice to have a mix of personal and professional. The personal can be building on your marriage, for example. It could be spending more time with your kid or it could be health. Like, I'm going to drink more water. Okay, how much water a day? And then you could like work towards that or a physical goal, health goal. I want to get my cholesterol down or I want to get more steps in every day. And then again, making it more specific. 
And then creating the plan that you talked about, actionable. What are the things you're going to do? How often are you going to do them? And when are you going to do them by? I think that's great, right? It the, the most successful people are not people who are workaholics, although they are. Uh, but when you talk about happiness and you talk about a lot of the companies here in the Bay Area, they talk about they, a work-life balance when you hire them. And so succeeding in physical fitness, family life goals, putting that all together with your professional goals, it, it ties in, it sounds like what you're talking about, because it all goes hand in hand to your overall mindset. Absolutely. And I think there's been a shift in COVID, which is maybe some of the silver lining that I think people realize this has been a dress rehearsal that is your life. And the moment you get is now and the people that you spend your time with, who are you really surrounding yourself with? Who is in your network, personally, professionally? And are they enhancing and empowering you in your life or holding you back or tearing you down? And I think that the most important part of goal setting, living your life, this like full life, full picture view that people are trying to create for themselves is they want remote work or hybrid work because they want to kind of fill their cup on the personal side, right? They want to be able to like throw in the laundry so that they're not doing that at the end of the night instead of spending time with their kids. I think companies have really had a shift in listening because people have spoken and that's what employees are kind of demanding. And thinking and putting on my little HR hat here, um, the war on talent has never been greater. I'm, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and I can apply for a job in New York City. Never before has that really become the norm where there's the amount of companies that are now available for employees to apply to. And on the flip side, it goes the other way, right? You can now search. Your talent pool is so much higher now as an employer. And so an employer really needs to look at online when people go like your careers page and they look, they try and get a sense of your company culture without actually being a part of your company culture yet. They're almost interviewing you. Like, do I want to spend my life working for this organization? Do they actually care about their employees? They'll look on LinkedIn and they'll look on Facebook. They'll Google it. They'll go on Glassdoor. There's a lot of different places that people go before they decide, okay, this is where I'm going to plant the root for a little while. And do they actually care about me as a whole person? Talk about companies. How do companies, which set goals, but let's look at their employees. What is a company's responsibility or how can they help their employees foster their own individual goals, which will hopefully help the company then? Yeah. So a lot of companies now have a learning and development stipend and a well-being stipend. And that's actually how a lot of companies will then pay for my services or their employees. They'll use the combination of that. Um, and I think employees are now expecting that. And if you don't have a learning and development budget or a well-being initiative, they're like scratching their heads like, well, then why would I work for you? If you don't care about me taking that continuing education course or getting that certification that I've been looking for, like you don't actually care about me outside of work. You just want me to show up and be a number. And so I think that's where companies really need to uh, do a pulse check and see like what challenges are they experiencing if they do any pulse surveys internally are people feeling valued, appreciated? Are they motivated? Are they disengaged? Right? A disengaged employee will cost an employer 34% of that individual annual salary. If they're having attrition and people are leaving, 
it's going to cost one and a half times that person's salary to replace them. It is much cheaper for companies to invest hundreds or even a few thousand dollars a year per employee to try and retain them. And even if companies can move that needle just one to five percent a year on reducing their turnover, it's going to more than ROI and pay for itself. So I think companies really need to start looking at that if they're having those challenges. That's great. And I've only worked for small companies myself. I'm a solo entrepreneur now, but I, I have worked for two employers before where they sort of didn't believe in that stuff. And when I needed it, it I, I think that's what ended up having me look for new opportunities and new jobs was the employer wasn't fostering my growth personally or individual or professionally. And it's good to hear that so many companies are particularly started to look at how they can grow with their people and invest in them, especially with, like you said, so many people working remotely now. Ariana, what else should people know as they're starting to set their goals for this year and breaking down on stuff? What haven't I asked yet? Well, I've asked a lot of great questions, Jared. I don't know. I think that's a personal question. And I know everyone's lives are really busy, but even if you could take 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, you just kind of sit in a quiet place by yourself. I know it's difficult. I have three little kids, so it's difficult for me to find those moments. But if you can find them and just look inward and say, a year from now, where do I want to be? And what does that visually look like to yourself? And then what would you have to put in place to start moving towards that life, that vision that you have for yourself? And just pick three things Three little thing that you can do and then find someone in your life or find a mastermind that you feel like is a good fit for you that you can join that can help you get there because it, it really is the people that abandon hope by the second week of February that mm-hmm. say, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to throw on the towel now. Whereas if you have someone holding you accountable and kind of cheering you on, that point you're more likely um, to achieve that thing. And they'll help remind you of your why. Why are those your goals? And if you can build your goals based on your why, I think you're more likely to succeed. I have a friend that also has a podcast. His is on investing. And he asks every one of his guest speakers, what is their why? And if they just say family, he actually or dives in to it further. He makes them say, well, what... What about your family? What are you trying to achieve for your family to do it? So he really emphasizes why you are doing something. What is your driving force? And you just hit on that as well. And so, it's true. It goes into your vision board. Why are you? Why do you want that house? Right? What are you? What are you trying to achieve with your goals? So I'll disclose. Ariana and I are starting the Capstone Mastermind Group. We're going to be launching a mastermind here. We have found that it is beneficial to to us. We've been working together for some time and talking about just our own goals. And it's led to both of our successes, all the goal setting and the accountability partner that I mentioned. And we're going to be launching that shortly and hopefully keep it on going. So if you're interested in learning more about that or creating your own mastermind group, joining us, we'd love to have you please reach out uh, anything else you, you want to talk about with that group and the organization and what we're trying to achieve with our mastermind? Yeah, I think you and I both, Jared, have just kind of like a calling and an intrinsic motivation to 
help others. And through helping others, it's really fulfilling to see that. And I feel that success, you get more success with others and just personally for your own growth. So yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to our first cohort, which should be starting probably in the next few weeks. Yeah, so maybe we'll see you there. That's great. And that you can check out at capstonemastermind.com where we put forth just the initial layout and you can reach out to us there or everybody knows you can find me on LinkedIn under Jair Nash. And I'm happy to respond and talk it through with you and and make sure it's a fit for your goals uh, too. And if not, help you create your own mastermind group with the own type of people that that make the most sense for you to have. Ariana, thank you for joining me today and talking about goal setting and, and how people can achieve their dreams in the year ahead. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Please hit subscribe so you get the weekly updates of when we release the next episode. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Capstone Government Affairs and Economic Development, a firm where I serve as managing partner. For more information, check us out at www.capstonegov.com and follow us on LinkedIn by typing in Capstone Government. Check out the show notes and for a full transcript, visit our website, www.capstonegov.com and follow us on LinkedIn by typing in Capstone Government or you can find me, your host, Jared Nash.